Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. I appreciate Gaga taking the time to film that for us. So slow today. We will speed it up. Well, today, you have a million reasons to not be here, one of which is it's the weekend. It's a beautiful morning. I could have slept in. I'm angry at my spouse. My children are goofy as all get out. They don't want to show up. You got all these reasons in the world to make decisions. And oftentimes, our decisions are made by by circumstances surrounding our lives and our relationships. And we just begin to think about all the reasons we have to not do the right thing at the right time with the right people. Uh, Our emotions overcome us. And before we know it, we're not looking at the one good reason we have to do what we're doing today. And so we're going to get through that. I I remember when I started uh, the church here in 94, my son Joseph... Uh, it was about probably 97 when this happened, so Joseph would have been about five, six, seven years old. And I was coaching a t-ball team, Joseph's t-ball team. How many of you know that preachers should never be in the athletic arena when they come from where I come from? Because when, when I'm on a field, I am no longer your pastor. If we're playing basketball, I'm going to elbow you in the gut. I'm going to do whatever I can to win. And you know what? I'll be your pastor after, but I ain't going to be your pastor on the court. Mm-mm, I ain't preaching to you. I'm going to take you out. And then we'll ask for forgiveness, and you have to forgive me because the Bible says you do. It's real simple. So anyway, I'm, I'm coaching JoJo's team. And JoJo was oversized uh, for, for his age. He was a big kid. Uh, he was 10 and a half pounds at birth. Does that help you? Alicia's going, oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it'll be all right. How much do you think he's going to weigh? You don't know. Okay. She's great with child. She's a woman. You can say, are you pregnant? And you're okay. Uh, don't slap me in the lobby. Anyway, so Joseph is, is big for his age, and, and he's on the, the, the mound. It's T-ball, so he's filling a position. If a grounder comes to him, he does the same thing with it that every other infielder would do with the ball, take it to first base. But the ball was kind of light, slightly hit toward first, and he fields the ball, and he goes over to tag the runner out, which is the right thing to do. It's the easiest thing, safest thing, considering first base, six years old, catching the ball is about a 20% chance. So Joseph stumbles as he reaches the kid running to first, and the kid looked about the size of a gnat. Joseph looked like Goliath. And Joseph falls on the kid, and you can't even see the kid. You know, it's like... He's, and so... The umpire, I'm, I'm, I'm behind shortstop because you coaches could be on the field. So I was on the field kind of coaching the kids. And, and so the umpire goes over to the first base and uh, grabs Joseph, picks him up, and says something to him. And Joseph's a tough kid, never cried. He started crying. How many of you know, oh, when somebody make your kid cry, Jesus, I'll handle this. I'll be back in just a minute to talk to you about your blood and forgiveness because we're going to need a lot of it. So start your bleeding now because I'm getting ready to go take care of business. Now, this, did I say that this was a church league? It was, okay? It's, it's our church, okay? And, and 
So I go over to the umpire because my son's crying. And I'm, I, I get up in his business. I went Billy Martin on him. Some of y'all aren't old enough to know Billy Martin, but Billy Martin, New York Yankees coach, I mean, he'd be up in the business of umpires. So I get up in the business of umpires. I said, what did you say to my son? And the, all the church people are over in the bleachers reading their Bibles. There are more languages smoke, spoken on the baseball football field than I've ever, I mean, they're out there. And so I'm getting ready to go into a new language, and it was not tongues. And so I said, what would you say? I don't have to tell you. I said, you're going to tell me. Oh, I mean, I was. And I, I mean, this is sad. This is a, like five-year-old. I got ejected from a t-ball game. Now, I've just started the church. Church is three years old. I, and all the parishioners are up there going, this is our pastor. No, I told you this is a baseball field. I will not be your pastor until we get outside the field. So I get ejected from the game. So I go to the dugout thinking I'll watch from here. He comes over the dugout, ejects me from the park. I had a million reasons to never want to go to church again. So I have to walk by the stands. It's not like I could walk away from them. No. It's like you're ejected from the park. Here, It's like all of y'all are in the stands. I'm going. <laughs> what I realized that day is I'm thinking, oh, God, the church is going to die. People are not going to come back. Our pastor got ejected from a t-ball game. Who does that? Good. We got two people who have been ejected from there you go. Our church is filled with ejections. But an ejection doesn't mean a rejection. And so I passed by these people. I literally went to the building that was not even complete yet. And I was in there going, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. You know, and I'm thinking embarrassment, shame. And it's like God's laughing in heaven. God ever laughed at you? It's like... had a million reasons in my mind. I'm hearing all these voices, things being said in my mind. You know, it will never be the same. It's never going to happen now. Look at you. And I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, look at me. I'm actually human. Because y'all had done it too. You just don't want to admit it. See, we have, I mean, look at the odds. Three people have been kicked out of t-ball games in this service. It's great. Some of you online, you've been kicked out too. Matter of fact, if you haven't been ejected from a game, you're a bench warmer. All right, now... Basketball? Have you been ejected from one? That's not good enough. Almost does not count. But I cheer you. I had a little, okay, I'll drink to that. Hmm. Okay, good. Now, in your life, my life, you've got a million reasons to, to do a lot of different things. But there's always that one good reason. And remember this. You've been bought with a price. Your life doesn't belong to you anymore. You can't just pick and choose what you're going to do if you want to live the abundant life that Jesus has paid for you to live. I can't do what I want to do. If I was doing what I want to do right now, I'd be looking out the Pacific Ocean with flip-flops on and enjoying the waves. But I'm here with you because I love you so much. You're so special. You really are. You're really special. I've got to tell you, you have no idea because there are days in my mind i got a million reasons not to be in Oklahoma City, especially during tornado season. <laughs> Where the wind comes sweeping down the plains. <laughs> you know when it comes twisting down the plains. That's us. And so, you and I don't get to pick. You know, I mean, I used to pray, about, <clears throat> you know, get mad. Matter, matter of fact, more people get mad at church than almost anywhere. 
Because there's an expectation that in church, everybody's supposed to be perfect. Everybody, I just got to warn you right now, there's no telling who's sitting next to you. Somebody who's done 15 to 20? We're not sure. We, we are a church filled with a diverse group of people that realize without Jesus, we're all a messed up group of people. And that I never want to be a part of a church where we're trying to see who can be first. I want to be a part of the church who's trying to be last because the last shall be first. And so if we can remember that, we're going to be in great shape. And the way we become last is to remember that he made us first. He died for us. Now, in John chapter 3, verse 16, out of the Message Bible, this is going to give you one good reason. First off, you and I were at the center of God's purpose when he sent Christ to earth. We were his focus. We were the focal point. And God sent Jesus for the very purpose of redeeming. Jesus had a billion reasons to run away. A billion reasons not to stay on the cross. A billion reasons, not just a million. And here's the focal point. Listen to this. In the Message Bible, it says, This is how much God loved the world. He gave His Son, His one and only Son, and this is why, so that no one need to be destroyed. By believing in Him, anyone can have a whole lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending His Son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help. To put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust in him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one of a kind, Son of God, when introduced to him. Oftentimes, our pain opens the door to all kinds of reasons for us to make decisions without God, to make choices without God. And that pain and that hurt and the suffering that we are experiencing in that moment gives way to a lot of different voices, but not the voice of God. Jesus is being crucified as an innocent man, done nothing wrong. Therefore, he had all kinds of reasons to say something different than what he was going to say. Two of the most offensive, potentially offensive statements in the Bible came from the cross. One is when Jesus asked the question, Father, why have you forsaken me? First off, that was one of the reasons he was being crucified was because he was calling God his Father. And they called it blasphemy. So he does it publicly before all the crowd that day. And then secondly, he prays this prayer. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Now, how many of you know when you tell a bunch of religious fanatics, Pharisees who think they're the brightest people on earth, they don't know what they're doing, that that's offensive to them. So Jesus is addressing truth in front of the crowds, demonstrating the love of God first, He's showing us how to communicate with God and being honest and authentic with God and being authentic before the people and letting them know you have no idea what you're doing right now. How many of you ever been in a situation where you said, I know they don't know or they wouldn't be doing what they're doing right now? They don't know. Because in Galatians 6, God said God cannot be mocked. 
So for whatsoever a man sows, he shall also reap. So in the world that today is filled with political correctness, and let me tell you what political correctness really is, it's a, it's a beautiful way to lie. It really is. I mean, we, we're telling, we measure our conversations not by what we believe or what we know to be true, but by, why we, by what we think people want to hear and how it's going to benefit our lives versus benefit their lives. We live in a generation that is entitled, and let me tell you why they're entitled. The baby boomers can complain about the millennials all they want, but the millennials are who we made them. And how did we do that? By rewarding them for doing nothing. That's our fault. No, let me just tell you something. When I played ball, there were like two trophies that were worth anything, first and second. Third was consolation. If there were 10 teams in our league, guess what? If you didn't finish in the top three, you didn't get a trophy. Well, nowadays it's going to hurt somebody's feelings. Guess what? It might make them better. I mean, if you tell your kid, not, you know, I love the fact that you're playing, but your team sucks. <laughs> we could never say that. Maybe they'll get better. How do you get better? You don't get better by saying you're already the best when you're the worst. Oh, look at your team. Tenth place. Seriously? How many teams were in the league? Ten. Oh, that's something to get happy about. I know you think I'm being cruel, but the problem is we don't address things anymore. We have no absolutes. Everything's vague. Every, uh, you know, it's okay if you do this. It's okay if you do that. And, and without realizing we're giving people reasons to not get better. Bible says iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. Who are you sharpening and who's sharpening you? Is there anybody that has enough courage to tell you the truth? If you're being an idiot? They say you were an idiot, you're acting like an idiot. I never forget one time there was a guy that I didn't like. And I was with a real good friend of mine. I thought it was pretty safe. Oh, I'm sorry. I do have a soft heart for kids. I'm proud of you, Mom. I love you. You are awesome. All right, seriously. Give him a hand. No, you bring your kid to church, you got a million reasons my kid cries. It's all right if your kid cries. It's not all right if you cry. Where was I? Friends. It's a mess over here. Can we have a spokesman from this section, please? Just one. Just one of you. Eric. Eric. Thank you. It was getting real sloppy, let me tell you. So I, 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 didn't, I didn't like this guy, and I was starting to say something. I started to say something. I did say something about it, and my friend looked at me and said, you know, something to the effect of, I sure hope that when I'm not with you, you wouldn't say the same thing about me. It wasn't even a strong rebuke. It was a very subtle rebuke, but I never forgot it. They must be as safe in their absence as they are in our presence. 
I never forgot that lesson. What if he would have just let me go on? I, I might have continued. Now, if I don't like you, I'll just tell you to your face. I ain't going to tell somebody else. I, but I like all of y'all. There were some people at 930, but I like all y'all, 11. <laughs> You're all precious, every one of you. But the problem is that oftentimes we, we give people reasons to continue to live a mediocre life without any purpose or pursuit in life because we don't challenge where they are today. You know what? Sin is a horrible thing. It has horrible consequences. But you know what? If you will look at your sin and you will accept and embrace that you did, you have an opportunity to turn things around. Not living in denial, but looking at it and saying, you know what? God is bigger than this. God is greater than this. He lives in me. Therefore, he who lives in me is greater than what's going on in my world right now. I'm fixing to get up and start over and move on. People say, I'll never marry again. I'll never love again. Go ahead and live your life miserable. Because you're looking in the past. You're not looking in the future. When you fall down, you got to get up. What happens is we get all these people that come around us and they start throwing a pity party. And so they start feeding pity. Guess what happens when you feed pity? Pity grows. Now, there's nothing wrong with being empathetic and, and getting with someone and climbing down there with them and say, but I'm coming down in the pit not to have a pity party with you, but I'm coming down in the pit to lift you up out of the pit and we're getting ready to have a praise party because you're no longer under the circumstances. You are above the circumstances. I have a policy in my life. I will not waste sin. I will not waste sin. When sin happens, you learn from it, and you get up, and you declare, greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. Thank all five and a half of you. Challenge is we quit the wrong things. There are three kinds of people, quitters. And I want some of y'all to step up and say, I'm going to be a quitter. What is it? Oh, quitter? Yeah, quit doing the wrong things. Quit saying the wrong things. Quit, quit, quit. Quit the right things, not the wrong things. Quit being a hater, start being a lover. Quit being a quitter, start being a person who gets up. Quit being a judger, quit being a critic. Because you give people a million reasons. When you come to this church, we're going to do some things wrong. We excel every week at doing something wrong. We're good at it. We're aware of it. And we're not, we're not excusing ourselves. We just decided we're going to do the best we can. We're going to be authentic. We're going to be real. We're not going to be excellent. My son calls me yesterday. We're talking about church. And he says, Dad, you know, he said, we spend about 75% of our time doing excellence. And I have several kids in, in ministry in different parts of the country. And he said, you know, my generation really wants authenticity. In other words, we don't expect everything to be perfect. And we're tired of it. And I said, well, you'd fit in at Mosaic. <laughs> the reality is that we've got to find out the right things to quit. When you quit on love, that's the wrong thing to quit on. When you quit forgiving, it's the wrong thing to quit on. When you quit loving, when you quit trusting when you quit going to church when you quit 
Ask yourself, what reason have I given myself to do this? What reason? Because there are probably a million reasons you can come up with. But there's one really good reason that trumps everything. The Bible says the willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land. This life is not about what you want or I want. It's about what he wants. And if we'll delight ourselves in him, he'll give us the desires of our hearts. And so real out, the reality is God's going to do a lot better with your life than you are. He's going to do a lot better with my life than I am. So I've just determined that if, wherever God wants me, that's where I'll be. Whatever he wants me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And yet people quit because they're not looking to God. They're looking to us. They're looking at us. You know, I used to play golf a lot, liked it, it was fun. But three and a half hours, four hours, I just got to thinking, you know, if I'm going to spend that much time with somebody, i got to really like them. That's a long time to spend with somebody. But I used to play some tournaments, and i get paired up with people I didn't know. And, you know, on the tee box, golfers, you know, the lying begins right there. It's like fishing. Golfing and fishing are one and the same. You know, I mean, I hit the ball 350 yards. You couldn't shoot the ball 350 yards out of a gun. So you go on, they ask you, so what, what do you do, you know, and talk to each other. And they'd ask me, so what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a behavior modification therapist. Um, <laughs> you don't ever want to tell anybody you're a preacher. They'll go get another foursome. Uh, so, you know, we, we, we play and, they, you know, by the time you get to the 18th hole, they forgot, you know, they, they've had a, a little bit going on, you know, not just playing golf, but playing golf loosely. And so, and then at, on the 18th hole, I love telling them I'm a preacher. Because at that point, I, I'm so sorry I said everything I said. I wanted you to say everything you said. I don't want you to change because of me. And I don't, I don't, I'm not, not mad at you. See, for some reason, the problem is the church world has not allowed people to be people. And we judge people, so why would they ever want to come to church? You say, well, they shouldn't do that. You know what? I can look at a number of things you and I shouldn't do. This is not one of them. Um, so the, 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 the fact is, the church world has got to stop giving the world itself a million reasons not to show up. I told my son, I said, you know, we're a year old as a church. We're in a building. We got already over a thousand people that, you know, call this place home. And in one year, our staff, we just look at each other. We're running so fast, just trying to keep up. I said, we don't do a lot of things well. I said, but there's one thing I tell my staff every week. I said, you know what? You're going to miss some notes. We're going to, I'm going to. Some sermons aren't going to be that great. No amens, please. And uh, I said, but the reality is we're going to love everybody that comes through the doors, and we want everybody to feel that love. Because let me tell you something. Music will fail. Messages will fail. But the Bible says love never fails. And so we, we just have to, we, we've got we've to quit judging and critiquing and, and those kind. We've got to quit doing the things that keep people away and realize we're only the righteousness of God in Christ because of Christ. That's it. In Isaiah 64, it says, all of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. But except through Christ. Otherwise, we'd quit. You know how many people I talk to throughout the nearly 40 years of ministry I've been in and say, you know, I'm just not good enough. 
I've tried to live for God. I can't quit this. I can't stop that. I said, quit looking at all the reasons you can't serve God and all the reasons that God, you think God doesn't love you. And look at this one reason for God so loved the world that he gave his son for you. One reason trumps all of your other reasons and that you can move forward if you will just focus on the right things and quit the right things. Quit thinking that way. Quit thinking you're not worthy. And you know why? Because none of us are without Christ. Quit that thinking. Quit thinking that you can't go to heaven because you can't perform well enough. That's why Christ died. It's not about your performance. It's about accepting his performance on the cross. Quit thinking that you could ever be good enough. Like your mother-in-law wants you to be. I didn't say that at 9.30, so it was probably for somebody in here anyway. Maybe you're the mother-in-law. You know, who knows? <laughs> Choose ahead of time how you're going to respond, and then reasons will lose their power. How are you going to respond when someone attempts to offend you or someone's mean to you? The problem is you're quitting jobs that God puts you in so that you could grow instead of go. If your boss is an idiot and you quit that job, the next company you go to work for, the boss will eventually be an idiot or be replaced by an idiot. Because God wants you to work for an idiot. Until you become idiot proof. Because we quit. Because I, I don't like the way they're cheating me. I don't, look, my football coach used to hit us in the helmet with a broom. He'd be in prison today. You can't say boo to an athlete. Oh, would you please, would you please run 100 yards? No, they didn't ask us. And we were like, get up and run. Here's a bunch of... And I lived. Isn't it amazing? You quit. You quit your job because your boss is a gomer. You didn't even ask God if you could quit. You just quit because you don't deserve to be treated that way. Great peace have those who love the law of God. Psalm 119, 165, nothing shall offend them. You've got to learn not to just quit. When I played ball, my dad, every season, whatever sport it was, my dad would look at me and say, now, son... I want you to remember these words. If you start, you got to finish. You cannot quit. If your coach is a gomer, I don't care. You cannot quit. We always have reasons to quit. I thought I was done with ministry. I wanted to, I wanted to be done. I prayed that I could live on the beach. I wanted to move to the, the U.S. Virgin Islands and rent paddle boards and open a bar. Non-alcoholic drinks. <laughs> I just thought, God, what am I doing here? I got a million reasons to not go back to Oklahoma City. God said, but you got one reason to stay. Because I said to. I actually had prayed, God, let me fail quickly. <laughs> can I just go back and fail quickly? And then I can exit stage south. And here we are. Y'all keep coming and making it hard for me to leave. I'm amazed. I got to tell you right now. I'm, I, you're so sweet. Thank you. I love y'all too. Yeah, I mean, we're just a sappy mess today, aren't we? Anyway, you know, you've you, you got all these things. We think, well, you know, I'm just going to quit. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit the right things. Quit running. 
So she said, if you just give me a driveway, I don't, I don't have a place. Just stop. Give me a reason to stay. Let me tell you why. Because sometimes the hardest place that you find yourself in is the best place you can be. Because it begins to squeeze the self out of you. It squeezes the selfishness out of us. And, and it puts us in a place where we can grow instead of go. Too many people on the go and too few people on the grow. God's called us to grow. So quit the right things. Quit whining. Quit complaining. Quit being judgmental. Quit being critical. Quit listening to gossip. Let me pause on that one. I see Michael Anderson here. Michael, it's good to see you, brother. He's one of my first staff guys. I'll never forget what Michael used to do. He taught me a lesson. Somebody start talking to Michael about somebody else. He just kindly say, let's call them right now and have them come and join us. I'll never forget that. I thought, that's a brilliant idea. Somebody starts talking about somebody. Say, hey, I got their number. Can I call them and ask them to come join this conversation? Be into that conversation. You'll quit the right thing. You'll quit listening to gossip. You'll quit listening. Because how many of you know something? If I put 20 of us in a circle today and we started with a really easy sentence, by the time we got around to the 20th person, it wouldn't even sound like how it started. And we do that every day in relationships. Did you hear? Did you know? I mean, I think by this time I should probably be doing 15 to 20 in prison right now. I don't even Google my name anymore. I think I would gaggle. You can go Google it if you want. Just don't tell me about it. You see, you say, why are you so happy? Because I found out I have one really good reason to live this life, and that's to bring glory to Jesus Christ. I'm not going to stand before you when I get to heaven. You're not going to have the opportunity to say, depart from me. As a matter of fact, you might be behind me, and I go in, and he says, depart from me. I'm going to go, surprise. I hope not, but <laughs> it's real serious. I wonder if that could really happen. <laughs> Choose. Be committed to your choice. Secondly, be quieters. Not just quitters, but quieters. In, in Numbers 13, now the New King James says, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are able to overcome it. He was a quieter, one who silenced the crowd. They were saying, we can't do that. The giants, they're huge in the land. There are more of them than us. And they started giving this, the Israelites a million reasons to not go possess the promise. But before you can ever quiet someone else, you have to quiet the voices in your own soul. You can't listen to all the reasons you have to join the ranks of the bitter, the unforgiving, the critic, the judger. You can't come up with enough reasons. You've got to silence those reasons. It took a lot for one man, Caleb, to stand up and face that million-plus crowd of people and saying, we can do this. We are going to quit being the people we were in Egypt. We're going to quit saying we can't. We're going to quit not believing God. We're going to start believing what Jesus says. And he silenced the crowd. Be a quieter. Be one who stops the voices of reason and prevents you from your destiny. When I came back here, I had more people telling me not to. Why are you? 
And I just met with people one-on-one. -on -one. I said, look, I don't know why I'm back here other than God, January 3rd, 2016. God said, go back to Oklahoma City. I can take you to the seat I was sitting in. I can take you to the church I was in. And I'm sitting there having a conversation with God. I had a reason, secular reasons to not. But I had one reason was Jesus bought me and paid for me 2,000 years ago. And I will obey him no matter how many reasons, how many millions or billions of reasons there would be. I will obey him. I don't know, man. It's just always there. Like There's a light, a stoplight at the 63rd and the Hefner Parkway. How many of you know if you're going south, you exit on 63rd? It says no right turn on red. You ever seen that? I hate it. It's Sunday morning. I exit there to get here. Okay, today I happen to be the first car at the light, and it's red. And there are signs everywhere. No right turn around. No right turn. And I'm, sitting, I'm looking everywhere. There's no police officer. I can see there's nobody coming. And the voices are going, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. And I'm driving a car that doesn't have a mosaic sticker on the back so you'd have never known. And so... I mean, voices. I got all these reasons. Run the red, run the red. Nobody will know. Then I thought, yeah, they would. If I, next three cars behind me will follow me to Mosaic. <laughs> I just got you. No, but they're voices. I had reasons. This is stupid. I can see there's no car coming. It's Sunday morning. <laughs> I had to quiet the voices. Stay, Mark. I got to tell y'all, I did not run that red. You know, how, you know how good I feel right now? I'm going to buy myself a dessert for lunch for that. I'm giving myself a self-reward. I had to quiet the voices in my head. And you all have them too. You do. We talk to ourselves all the time. You ask yourself questions. You give yourself answers. Do I look fat in these? Yes, I do. Uh, and that's how come you ask your husband, which causes divorce. Okay, so... But you have to silence in your own head. Our prayers to God quiet the voices that oppose the will of God. Why do we pray? Because we have to quiet. That's how come the Bible says be still and know that I'm God. Cease striving and know that I'm God. Listening to the right voices. Quieters care about a cause, not what caused their pain or crisis that they face. Always work to make the worse look better. I bow down to pray. I try to make the worst seem better. Lord, show me the way to cut through all his worn-out leather. God, help me. Help me. And the last one is qualifiers. You have quitters, quieters, qualifiers. These are people who have become qualified, not by their works, but by the work of Jesus. In the Olympics, because there are so many nations and so many sprinters and so many runners, they have qualifying rounds that they don't even show on television. You have no idea how many people have not qualified to participate in the biggest games on earth. They didn't qualify. The people that you see on TV are people who qualified. Now, the difference is in the faith, we don't qualify by how fast we are, how strong we are, how physically uh, strong we are. We qualify by faith. We become qualified by faith, and it begins with the cross. We're qualified by the cross. So in order to not quit, you go back to the cross. 
in order to quiet the voices that accuse. The Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. To quiet those voices, you go back to the cross. In order to stay qualified, we have to keep taking ourselves to that place. Too many times we're living in the past. You're there, but you're here. Didn't happen there. You're not there anymore. You're here. Quit looking at there and be here. You have to be in the present or else the voices of the past and all the failures of the past will give you multitude of reasons to stop, to quit on the wrong thing. We're qualified because of the cross. Probably the most painful thing I went through was hearing the words, you're not qualified. Well, my, my comeback was a little tacky, but was, you're right, I, I was never qualified. I've never preached one sermon in my life because I was qualified. I preached it because he was qualified and he qualified me. I'm only qualified because of him. He qualified me. You see, as a church, we have to recognize that the world outside the church is watching the church I don't know how many of you ever watched the sitcom Friends come on don't I know as you're sitting there lying oh, do I lift my hand yeah you know what made that so special was they all went through things and continued to be friends what about cheers 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 they all were friends they went through things and they stayed friends I wish we could do a church show like that, but we've yet to see that that would even be possible in the minds of the world, that we as a church could love each other through the good times and the bad times and believe in each other, stand each other up instead of put each other down. That's what the world's actually looking for. That's why Cheers and Friends are two of the biggest sitcoms ever. It's because we all want what they had. We all want it. But we all have to realize we're not qualified. He's the qualifier, and we're qualified by the cross. We're qualified because of the promises of God. You're not a bad person. You just do some bad things. There's no such thing as a bad person. To say there's a bad person would mean that God created somebody bad. God didn't create anybody bad. God created everybody good. Since every good and perfect gift comes down from him. You're all really good people. And all of you watching, you're really good people. Just made some bad decisions. You're not what you do. You are who you are. You're not a human doing. You're a human being. And we have to recognize that. Or we're going to give people a million reasons to never love the Jesus we love. To never accept the Jesus that we've accepted. Because we go around judging each other. We go around talking about each other. We go around criticizing each other. We go around punishing each other. God doesn't punish those he loves. The Bible says he disciplines those he loves. And there's a big difference in discipline and punishment. Punishment gives you no hope. Discipline gives you all hope, knowing I care enough to make you stronger. Punishment says I don't care enough. I'm going to keep you down. Let me tell you something. God disciplines. And everything that you go through as a result of the choices or the bad things that you do, it's not God's anger at you. It's natural consequences. It's like the law of gravity. You can jump off a building or you can fly an airplane. The only way you get, you have the opportunity to defy gravity is if you have jets, a way to lift you. God put laws in motion for our good 
and our protection, not to punish us, but if we use them wrong, there is punishment, not because of him, but because we chose to jump. So we have to realize we got a lot of reasons. Every one of us do. You got reasons to not be here. I got reasons to not be here. But I have one reason that trumps them all. God so loved Mark Crow that he sent his only son for me. And I will not mock God. Remember that when you're about to quit on the wrong thing. Remember that when you're listening to voices instead of quieting those voices that come against the promises of God for you. You've listened to the voices. Nothing good ever happens in our family. Nobody ever comes from our family. Anything like we never have anything. We never, and you listen to the wrong voices. You need to speak to those voices and silence them like Caleb did. And you need to remember you're qualified because of the blood of the lamb. You overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Let your testimony be one that glorifies God, not glorifies critics. Not glorifying accusers. Don't you dare quit on the wrong thing. Lord, we love you today and we thank you that you've given us the very spirit that raised your son from the dead. He's resident in us. And because of that, nothing is impossible. So God, I pray for everyone in this place today. I pray for those who've accepted you as their Lord and Savior for the first time. I pray for those going through a real storm and struggle in their lives. And Lord, they've got every reason in the world they think they should quit. And boy, there's some pretty good reasons. But there is one really good reason to stay. And that's your word says, without faith, it's impossible to please you. But Lord, if we have faith, we can speak to our mountains and say, move from here to there and they'll do it. So Lord, I pray today for those struggling, fighting, who are overcome with reasons to quit the, the right thing instead of the wrong thing. I pray, Lord, today that you'd give them strength, courage, that you're with them in the latter days of their lives are going to be greater than the former. The joy of the Lord is present, and that joy brings strength. They're not going to quit. Not going to quit. They're just going to quit thinking they need to quit. They're going to quit wanting to quit. So, Lord, today we thank you for being with us. Amen.